Welcome to A Good Football Show. My name is Pat Grain. Today, I am joined by Lawrence Jackson, Kyle Dvorak, and Denny Carter. And we're going to be talking buy and sell on these training camp narratives. We are just flooded with news. Our news shifts have actually uh, gotten a little busy here, guys. Lots of stuff as training camp has kicked off. But not all of it is going to ultimately look like stuff we should have been paying attention to once it's all said and done. So I want to get your guys' thoughts on what uh, one of these nine narratives that I've I've selected here, uh, which ones we should actually be paying attention to. But how you guys doing? Doing good. It is uh, it is weird to not just be able to like fire off best ball drafts during mm-hmm. news shifts because like in the middle of June, like sometimes you pitch a no blurb, but you don't write a single blurb. Yeah, it's, no it's June. Of course, uh, it's June. Just running backs and wide receivers and quarterbacks and all the guys are at home with their families. And that's what I'd like to be doing. But instead it's like Sunday at three o'clock and I'm just refreshing Twitter. Like, please give me anything. Tell me a long snapper was signed and nothing. And now it is just this bombardment, this fire hose of, of news that, like you said, some of it is totally going to be uh, turn out to be garbage and sort of our job, both on the site and on the pod to, you know, at least try and directionally find which ones are garbage and which ones are good. I can I can hardly watch golf anymore. What the hell? <laughs> you poor guy. thing. You poor guy. I uh, you know I'm trying I'm trying to watch uh, some European golfer I've never heard of who I have you know DFS uh, interest in and and uh, I I got a blurb. It's uh, it's not right, but uh, it definitely is heating up. Tis the season, fellas. It is football season, training camp. We got the uh, you know we got the one play hype videos coming out now. <laughs> we could actually come out. With the all training camp day one fantasy lineup, you know. Oh, we I like throw, that idea, dude. That's actually a good idea. The all training. We, who we, who we get? Saquon in there, Kadarius Tony, right? Wandale. Uh, it's not based on the Giants. Yeah, yeah, it has to Mike, also be the Michael running backs Thomas. who get slot snaps, though. Yeah, Michael, Michael Thomas, Thomas for just for sure. being alive is like right. All just day for one being there, you know what I'm saying? Tony Pollard, but he plays receiver because that's what he's doing in training camp. Is a great one. Yeah, yeah, man. So yeah, so like you, Denny, you you won't be able to watch golf. I won't be able to watch the old Summer Slams on the WWE Network. But it's all good because we, <laughs> we got football back now. But you know, you know, I still am able to use the NBC Sports Edge uh, uh, golf tools to make lineups. So I I, I do I do appreciate those, and <laughs> nothing can knock me too far away from those. Well, you don't even need to watch the golf because you got such good tools. <laughs> I'd probably be better if I just stopped watching. I I, I actually think hey, you're, you're right. preaching to the choir, brother. I love yeah. it. <laughs> All right. Well, we can kick things off with some actual news. A real thing happened. Julio Jones was signed to a physical contract that he put pen down on. It's not just speculation and uh, and and beat reports about you know what might happen. Julio Jones does now play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But how fantasy relevant is he actually, Kyle? Are you buying into him? You know, was he's some people have kind of made the case of like, you know, this guy now is like a ninth, tenth round value. Um, but it's a lot to parse because Chris Godwin is eventually going to be healthy. Russell Gage was signed as well. So how much value does Julio Jones actually have? I am going to be taking well, it's difficult because in some best ball tournaments, uh like are you really going to buy the guy who just his ADP completely soars up and you're just playing the same teams, but worse because someone, not someone, a lot of people and me, it was me taking Julio Jones in the 18th round. I got him. So do I really want to keep taking him? But in any league that is not, I know you and I are both, I think we were even in drafts where like you took him in front of me and I didn't like it, but in any non, you know, non tournament format in your home leagues, I will absolutely be hammering him because people like it blows my mind that the best receiver, maybe the best receiver in the league up until like, two and a half years ago is now playing on the best passing offense in the league. And people are like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's still got a little bit of something left in the tank. He could be my wide receiver five. Like, I don't think people realize how good Julio Jones was just one year ago, not last year, the year before that was seventh in receiving yards per game. The year before that was third in receiving yards per game. Sure. I totally admit like you're, you're drawing dead to get 17 games from him because that's just what Julio does. That's what he's always done. He's not going to be expensive enough to where 14 games is a complete killer if that's what you get from him. But he is almost certainly, at least he's only one season, one bad season removed from being just 
a dominant, truly dominant elite receiver in the games he was playing. And now he plays on the best offense, at least the best passing attack in the league and the best passing attack in the league as a serious amount of turnover coming into this season. I, I just, it blows my mind that people won't be taking Julio. He's like, I get it. There's a scenario in which he is dust, but we only have one <laughs> year of him not being like, not being great. It's not that he was complete garbage last year. He was just worse than he had been in previous years. Let's say a new best ball tournament opened up today. Where would you want to take him? Uh, like wide receiver, mid thirties, late thirties, 35, like the split of wide receiver three, four. And even then, like, I, I feel like I might be underrating just how good he is. What is that? Like the seventh round? That's probably the seventh or eighth round. Yeah. I thought I was going to have the most favorable Julio take on here. You know, that that's, that's uh that's my guy there. Like, like the past two seasons, man, I just, you know, I just kept telling folks, watch, watch when he get healthy. Watch what he does. Watch it. And he do do a little something. But thing is, he don't play. So now somebody says to me, well, he don't play in games. Like, I can't argue that. Um, uh, that's recent history. But what I can argue is, you know, that when he does play, he still he still can ball. And what now, if he went to, you know, any other team, we, we'd probably be doubting him a little like if he went to Dallas we'd be like eh, but he went to Tom Brady in the Bucks who Tom Brady threw the ball averaged 42 passing attempts per game last year so yeah they got a lot of mouths to feed but um he he'll work his way in there and if healthy man it'll be the same type of scenario as when uh and new rapper Antonio Brown was out there you <laughs> know and now you got all these dudes who could go off and get a hundred yards at any given time? Um, so, you know, I'm I'm gonna take him in a redraft, you know, tenth round because I know I, I know that's where I could get him because most, you know, most leagues will probably be like, nah, his hamstring will get hurt again. And hey, obviously it's a possibility, but you know, I'm willing to uh, take that shot on my guy playing with Tom Brady. I, I think Julio makes a lot of sense for. Uh, drafters and best balls of one uh, one thing, but redraft. Uh, I think if you're spending you know early draft picks at running back and you're sort of fading the elite wide receivers and you're trying to pile up guys who could find a way to volume and and have proven efficient are and are in great passing offenses like the Bucks, probably the best passing offense in the entire league. Then Julio makes a, a ton of sense, like in the ninth or tenth round, as a pickup there. I also think that uh, in 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 most leagues you're going to see people's uh, you know, bias against Julio because of the soft tissue injuries. I think that's going to show up pretty clearly. Uh, and, and he's going to, he's going to drop to a point where he's going to look like, like a great value. I think in, in most leagues now, you know, uh, uh, leagues with more experienced fantasy players, he might be, you know, more in the Kyle range, eighth, ninth, seventh, eighth round, something like that. I think you have a real decision there. That's a decision point. Um, but b- below that point, I think he's he's a fantastic pick. He makes a lot of sense. You know, in the games where he was uh, healthy last year for the Titans, his peripherals look good. Like I think I think Crane actually pointed that out last year. Like and and I I looked into it be- before the show. I can confirm they look good. Uh, so I I'm I'm not not excited about Julio. Now, what you said about specific leagues, I will say this real quick. I am in a league with 10 other dudes from Atlanta. Oh. <laughs> he will be going in the third round. Right. <laughs> do you not think, do you not think though, that they will have experienced every single Julio Jones injury, just digging into their soul when they go to draft him. Cause if you're watching all the Atlanta games, you will certainly remember. And this yeah, is the one caveat sure. I placed that like, yeah, dude, he's, he's probably going to leave a game early after five snaps and give you a zero. Yeah. You remember those games. Cause he always played through injuries for five oh, snaps. Yeah. It was brutal. You don't yeah. think they would remember those games more so than the average fan. Yeah, and they gonna do it, man. We yeah. love some Julio in Atlanta, man. They're, they're gonna go yeah. uh, Julio in the third, Matt Ryan in the fourth, and log yeah. out. Yeah, that, that <laughs> hey, auto drafted. That's right. You do it. Money. <laughs> yeah, you got to know your league, you know. So that's that's important. Uh, if we're looking at, let's go to the next guy here, um, Isaiah McKenzie. The Athletics Joe Buscaglia Buscaglia reported that McKenzie has been a standout almost every single day. This comes on top of reports that. McKenzie's really been running with the ones this entire offseason. Crowder has not yet been challenging him 
for the starting role. So it's a bit of a continuation narrative that we have here. But, you know, Crowder's new to the team. Maybe this is sort of veteran deference or whatever. Lawrence, how do you see this playing out? Is Isaiah McKenzie, is this drumbeat that he's a full-time player legit? Well, uh, my, my opinion as far as up to as it stands today, uh, it's like you say, man, he uh, he been with the team. He's been with the team already, uh, mostly a return guy that'll uh, pop a few plays on the offense every here now and again. Um, I still think it's early. Um, Jamison Crowder got to get in that offense, get his feet wet, get some chemistry with uh with Josh Allen, uh, you definitely need that. He had it with a uh, little old Cole Beasley out there, who was a reception. <laughs> <laughs> he was a reception monster, right? And uh, now you get Jamison Crowder coming off a of, you know sixty catch, seven hundred yard season on the Jets. Um, so just I, I say I say just give him a little time, let him get to the preseason games, and then figure it out. Because if 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 that is if Isaiah McKenzie is truly balling like that, then it's probably the best football he ever played. And if it is true, then it is encouraging for him. If he could just like, you know, um, hold off the dude that they just brought in, albeit they wasn't like James Socrates don't have no rich contract or nothing. But if he could hold him off, he probably playing the best football of his life. I do like the, uh, like the, point out that yeah this is probably what you would expect maybe not to the extent like i do think this is a good indicator for mckenzie but you would think the one who has played uh multiple seasons with josh allen would be the one of a competition between him and james crowder to stick out on the very first day of practice right like to me this news is important but you would want it to stick for like days and weeks Mm. before we're like oh that's actually what's happening whereas like yeah i I would think the guy who's been practicing with allen for years is going to have an edge over the guy who's been practicing allen for if, if Allen should put mini camp, that's when they want to practice together. So if this report keeps holding, I will become increasingly bullish that it's true. For now, I think it's almost the expectation. It's still good, but I wouldn't go crazy immediately saying, well, that's it. McKenzie is the wide receiver three. So uh, I looked into McKenzie's games where he saw, you know, like um, uh, not, maybe not a full snap share, full route share, but something close to it. And obviously there's the, the week 16 game against New England where he just goes ballistic, catches 11 of 12 targets, leads the team in both categories. I think he pushed for 200 yards, scored a touchdown. So um, tons of yards after the catch. That goes without saying. Great game. Uh, but he also had, in 2018, he had a, a, a little run as the primary slot guy for Buffalo from week 14 to week 15. I know two-week uh, sample size, not not ideal, but it's, it's what we're working with. Uh, in in that in those two games, McKenzie led the Bills in targets per route run and was second in yards per route run uh, among among Bills wideouts. So I think you know he's demonstrated the ability, like when he gets a shot to to do the slot thing. When he gets a shot, he he has the ability to command targets. And I know that he has a lot of competition in Stephen Diggs and Gabriel Davis, uh, but I can definitely see a scenario where Josh Allen supports you know, three fantasy viable receivers. I mean, you know, Tom Brady did it just last year in Tampa for a little while. So uh, I, you know, I'm bullish. I'm bullish on McKenzie. I'm trying not to get too excited, but it is, I think it does make a lot of sense for him to take that role. Well, I have a hard time seeing him not supporting three options. He's, I mean, at the very least he had, whoever that slot is, is going to be fine. Cause Cole Beasley's coming off 112 targets. Yeah, and, speaking and he of supported Beasley, Dawson Knox. Yeah, man. Yeah. Anyone, anyone on this team can just go out and have a great touchdown season. And when you look at Cole Beasley, as we all all know, Lawrence Jackson said, Lil Old Cole Beasley. That's what we all <laughs> call him. Lil Old. Lil who old on this Cole team Beasley. would replace that? Maybe it's Isaiah McKenzie, who, according to Pro Football Reference, his nickname is Lil Dirty. I'm not sure how people haven't made this connection yet, but it seems very obvious to me that Lil Dirty would replace <laughs> Lil Old Cole Beasley. That's right. Yeah, it, it's right there. I was doing my research and I found it. Uh, today and it's it's little dirt we have to adjust we must adjust on that we must adjust uh to lawrence's point about the contract jameson crowder he signed a one-year two million dollar deal i will note that almost all of it was guaranteed uh 1.87 of it guaranteed uh so he's not going anywhere but it's also not that much to be paying a guy who's a pretty solid fourth wide receiver so i think seems like they're giving mckenzie a legit chance to win this job i'm i'm kind of like well the, the interesting thing is I was uh, just in a draft, took him in the 16th round. So you're not even having to 
pay like this super high premium for him right now. I think buy the news at a slightly increased price from a couple of weeks ago. If he gets up into the 14th, 13th, then maybe, maybe it gets tougher. Um, all right. So another report here. This is a reverse of a previous narrative. We had the <laughs> fat Lenny narrative. Now we have the fit Lenny narrative. He's down to 245. Todd Bowles said he could play right now if the season started, which is both bullish and seems like should be fairly obvious. Like, or, or shouldn't all the guys be ready to go? But it's a ba- sure. it's like backhanded compliment of <laughs> bullishness. Seems a little backhanded. He could play football if he needed to today. He said about a football. <laughs> I could write blurbs if I needed to today. <laughs> yeah. So you know, how much are you buying this, Denny? The the fit Lenny season is he is he back? to being a workhorse, he's going to get all the touches again? (laughs) Well, I guess, you know, despite what I said on a good football show a couple weeks ago, he was never, he was never in, in, you know, any trouble of really losing the job because he showed up a little, maybe a little bit out of shape. Um, uh, I think it is a little concerning that the head coach has to say, like, if we were playing today that he could play, I, I would think that that would go without saying, like you said, Crane, but um, perhaps not. He should be fine. Uh, you know, I, I was looking into you know Fournette's production from last year, some of his peripherals. Uh, there aren't there aren't many indicators that you know Lenny is fading at all. Uh, one thing jumped out uh, from last year: his his breakaway percentage uh, went from twenty nearly twenty seven percent in twenty twenty to nineteen percent in twenty twenty one. That was the second lowest breakaway rate of his NFL career. Uh, but you know, I mean, we're not drafting him because he's Javante Williams. I mean, he, he's a compiler, and it, and most of his value comes from a pass catching standpoint. He ran a route, or his his route participation rate was eighty seven percent last year. Um, you know, so that that's what you're looking for. But if you're looking for any sort of sliver of hope for maybe another Tampa running back to emerge, I think I think I think there there could there could be. I mean, look. The guy missed a bunch of games last year with a hamstring injury. Doesn't show up in the greatest shape this year. I'm just saying. Yeah, I I was, uh, you know, when he can't like Lenny, just that type of dude. He probably been 260 every offseason. He been (laughs) in the league. Yeah. See, there were people get it. This where people get it kind of twisted. They go to his Wikipedia page and it say he only 228. Adorable. Yeah. Isn't it just cute? That man was never 228 in the league. <laughs> he was never 228. He ran at the combine at 240. So if he's 245 right now, then it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, and yeah, the, like you say, Denny, the breakaway numbers, you know, dipped a yeah. little bit, but that's because he's catching all them passes out the backfield, 69 <laughs> receptions, baby. He got to. He, so he get a little tired catching them passes out the backfield. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, but it, it, listen, I, I did write this in, in my Tampa Bay fantasy preview. I did say that while Lenny is definitely safe, he played too well last year not to be. But, you know, Rashad White is not a dude you want to give an opening to. Right. I mean, he already said it. he coming in. He re- he coming to start. He ready to go. That is an every down back. So yeah, it's Lenny's spot. Tom Brady trusts him. He's a veteran. Um, Rashad White just to do John and give a little crease to because he could get in and, and and change that whole thing. But for now, right. I'm uh, all Lenny, big Lenny, fit Lenny, fat Lenny. I'm with them all. <laughs> from from a narrative perspective, Lawrence. Uh, you're right, but you know Tom Brady. We they, we always hear about this amazing connection that, that Brady and Fournette have. If you've ever seen, uh, I was going to say met, but no one has met Tom Brady, unfortunately. If you've ever seen a, a quarterback who would quickly pull the plug on a running back with which he has a lot of connection, it's it's Tom Brady. Like if someone else proves a better option, Tom Brady would be like Fournette. I never heard of him. Sorry, I don't like. <laughs> The only guy I know the, the man signed as soon as he saw Tom Brady unretire, he's like, Hey, Tampa, Lenny, yeah. like, hey, Tampa, let me uh, yeah, I, I'll take that 21 mil. And 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 that connection is going to be strong until it's not. It's that's, <laughs> yeah, I love this yeah. for sure, Kyle. Where are you at if if we get Rashad White dipping a little bit? Would you rather have would you rather have Leonard Fournette at 260? And Rashad White in the ninth round, or Leonard Fournette at two forty-five, and Rashad White in the eleventh. Because I think I'm, I think I'm Rashad White in the eleventh. I just want cheap Rashad White. 
A hundred percent. Like like Lauren said, like the two sixty thing. Like, dude, he was he was a hundred percent. He was two sixty every off season, and he probably stepped on the scale. And they were like, "That says two seventy two. And he's like, "Could you write down two sixty for me?" Like, this is it was a complete non story the whole time. So I will just take I will just take cheaper shot white all day. And I like I think they're both good picks. And actually, you've kind of like warmed up to the idea of having like negatively correlated players that you are exposed to not on the same team, but just really right. being into the backfield, right? It is a good situation. Leonard Fournette has been good with Tampa Bay and Rashad white was a perfect, like he's the profile, the guy we want coming out of college. So like, I really think being, I, I'm perfectly comfortable saying this is just a backfield I want to target, not on the same team probably, but across all of my teams, even if you're just playing in a few home leagues, I would like to leave with a lot of this backfield. All right. We're going to get to some more training camp narratives, but before we do, want to remind you that if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. We also have special contests on Tuesday and Thursday called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for, for a shot to collect some cash. You can also prep for your draft, the latest fantasy rankings, projections, and more in the NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Plus, it's powered by Roto-World, the premier source for player news and fantasy information. Take advantage of our preseason special and get the draft guide for $5 when you use the promo code DRAFTGUIDE at checkout on NBCSportsEdge.com slash DRAFTGUIDE. All right, so the Athletics, Robert Mays reports that Rams coaches are, quote, in love with Allen Robinson. Not not holding back there. Are you buying the narrative here, Lawrence, that Allen Robinson is in for a bounce-back season in a much better offense and a much better coach team in Los Angeles? It depends on what we call a, you know, breakout. What I expect them to do, what I know he should be able to do, is be able to provide that uh, wide receiver two stability in the same way in which uh, Odell Beckham did in his uh, in his time there, and, and he'll get a full season to do it. I just think that the offense is just it, the offense is too good uh, for him not to thrive. Even Robert Woods last season started off kind of slow. Right. But eventually he got going and then unfortunately he was hurt, but he was starting to get going. Uh, so it's just the offense going to be too good for him not to, you know, be in, the, you know, close to touching. He could probably touch somewhere close to a thousand yards. Tyler Hibby hasn't been big in the passing game recently. They've said that, uh, you know, they'll get Cam Akers involved in the in, in the uh, passing game. But. Sean McVay's running backs have always been that way. Uh, go back to obviously Todd Gurley. So um, in, in the end, based on the past few seasons um, that Allen Robinson has had, yeah, he's going to have a breakout. Good offense, uh, good quarterback, just a good system. Uh, so, so he'll be all right. It, it wasn't that long ago. In fact, 2020, which uh, some are saying was two years ago, uh, that, that Allen Robinson saw 151 targets with Chicago. Uh, he was sixth among receivers in targets per route run. He was fifth among receivers with 23 red zone targets. Um, he he was 10th in targets inside the 10 across the whole league. The Rams, as far back as like April and May, were talking him up as a red zone threat. Now, I, you know, I don't know like how viable that is with Cooper Cup dominating. So, uh, um, you know, red zone action, including, you know, inside the 10. Uh, but, you know, with with defenses probably uh, laser focused on on trying to stop Cooper Cup, it's probably not bad for for Allen Robinson to be in a really favorable position with a good quarterback in a good offense that where the defense can't focus on him. And, you know, he's like it's not been that long since he was good. And last year, yes, last year was terrible. Last year was a wash, you know. Uh, um, the the team wasn't didn't seem all that interested in, in incorporating him into the offense for whatever reason. Um, maybe there there was the relationship was a little bit frayed there. Uh, also, uh, he had COVID and he came back from COVID and weeks later was like, you know, I lost a bunch of weight. I couldn't get out of bed for a while. Like I couldn't believe that I was on the practice field when I was. I couldn't believe that they were playing me when when they were. So all, all these things combined for. Uh, pretty much a lost season. And, and that's unfortunate because 
you know, he's entering his age 29 season. He's not at the end of the road, but you know, it's not that far off for a receiver, but yeah, I, I think that, I think Allen Robinson is, is like essential for, you know, teams that, that are fantasy managers that go heavy at running back early on and, and are looking for uh, receivers in the third, fourth, fifth round. Yeah. To that point, like if you were just looking at, uh, projections and you were thinking well what happens if Allen robinson doesn't if he's really like as bad as he was last year but just on a new team then like you also have to predict that the offense is going to be pretty bad relative to where it was last year right because if it's only cooper cup that is really able to do much damage on this team the offense starts looking a lot more grim and i don't think that's going to happen i i I would be shocked if like then he said last year Allen robinson like the team not only was Allen Robinson, it was the entire team under Matt Nagy didn't have any clear plan. They weren't using Justin Fields in any way that would be appropriate right. for a skill set. The same applied to Allen Robinson. It was just complete uh, like disconnect between the head coach and every single player he had on this team, essentially. And now he gets the exact opposite of that in L.A. And uh, at least an offense that we think everyone thinks is schemed as one of the best offenses can be in the NFL. So, yeah, I, right now, I think that's a good way to put it. Like He's probably not probably not having the incredible breakout season. Cooper Cup will probably limit him from finishing as like a top five receiver, right? Maybe yeah. you can make that argument for guys going in his range like Jerry Judy or Gabe Davis if you really want to be bullish on them. But given the the you know the hype of the offense, it'd be hard to see him not at least modestly paying off his ADP. So a couple questions on, on uh, this team. Do you guys expect that they will bring back Odell Beckham? And how big of an impact would Odell Beckham have if he's re-signed on Allen Robinson? They seem very interested. I mean, they, you know, uh, I I think the GM has said, like, we have a we have a spot for OBJ if he wants to come back to us. Um, So it's it would seem that the team is open to that. Uh, I I can kind of foresee a scenario where Allen Robinson establishes himself as such an important part of the passing offense in L.A. that. You know, OBJ coming off that injury, an- another uh, terrible knee injury, and it happened, you know, in the Super Bowl. So it happened in February. We're not, we're talking maybe I've heard November possibly as a, as a return point for OBJ, but who knows if he'll be 100% at that time, at that point. So I, the, the prospect of OBJ sort of looming over everything for the Rams doesn't scare me too much with uh, drafting Allen Robinson. Yeah, it'd just be too late in the in the in the process, uh, and, and we don't know for sure. Now we do see Chris Godwin, who had ACL surgery in January, who's he he's looking pretty good, but that's a different person. You never really know, so yeah, it, it won't affect it for me. It affects it for me a bit because Robinson is pretty expensive. Um, we're in a couple high stakes drafts right now. He went five hundred one and five hundred three. I mean, he's, he also sometimes goes a bit higher than that. I don't think that's crazy or anything, but in most of these tournament-type leagues, not just best ball tournaments, but managed league tournament-style leagues, you have to do really, really well in weeks 15 through 17. So that's the concern for me is if I'm paying fourth, fifth-round price tag for a guy, and I'm not sure that he'll be, even in a good outcome, be that guy for me in the playoffs – it just makes me a little nervous because he went ahead of Chris Godwin, for example, who's like the reverse. Like yeah. I can probably get through a couple bad Chris Godwin weeks, but Chris Godwin might be someone you absolutely need in the playoffs. So uh, that's just kind of been it's been hard for me to pull the trigger on Robinson. But it, I can then you kind of made me nervous about some robust running back draft drafters then getting Allen Robinson and just uh, just beating beating my team pretty badly. Yeah, I mean, he, he just he makes so much sense for that sort of uh, draft construction along with some other guys. I actually wrote a piece on it. It's on the site now, but um, man, yeah, like I, I, if you're going that route, then I I don't want to say you have to get a Rob, but you probably should. All right. So Denny, the Seahawks, uh, we heard a a very disappointing report. Uh, Michael Sean Dugar was on with me and Roto Pat on Monday and he uh, covers the Seahawks for the athletic. We asked him, what do you think is going to happen here on third downs? Mm-hmm. You know, can Rashad Penny be out there so that this can be a two-man backfield? We can have some real fantasy value out of this. Maybe, you know, Penny's not a pass catcher. Maybe he's a pass blocker. And he said, no, it's going to be Travis Homer, who he put up there as one of the best pass blockers in the entire league. And if it's yeah. not Travis Homer, it's going to be DJ Dallas out there on third downs. Meaning, if you're drafting Kenneth Walker or Rashad Penny, 
It's a two-down split backfield on the Seahawks. That narrative sounds pretty bad, Denny. Are you buying it? No. It's, uh, I mean, you know, Michael Sean Dugar is an excellent beat writer and seems to have his finger on the pulse, especially of, of the running of the rushing, uh, offense in, in Seattle. Like he was, he was right on a lot of things last year. So, uh, I, I struggle to <laughs> get excited about either Walker or Penny if that's the, the, the case. And I, and I believe that that, that it could, that could certainly happen. Uh, Travis Homer was the, you know, like the pass catching back for some of Russell Wilson's final couple of years in Seattle and, and had some fantasy value because of it. I mean, not much, but fleeting. Um, and yeah, but that, but that definitely kills, especially for Penny, just, just kills his, uh, appeal. And, uh, I don't want to say he's undra- they're undraftable, but they just would look a lot uglier if if Travis Homer is going to come in there and and uh, peel off three, four, five receptions. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my takeaway from this as well. Is that like, oh well, at least uh, you know, at least my my running back with a bad offensive line on a yeah. completely god awful team can catch passes. Even that is off the table now, and I think it's off for both of them. Penny, not a particularly good pass catcher. He, he's a fine blocker, maybe. But uh, Michael Schindler was right. Uh, PFF had Travis Homer as the 14th best uh, mm-hmm. running back in pass blocking grade, and he was seventh in yards per route run. So he both he does all the third down things well. And Kenneth Walker was like a pretty much a non-factor as a pass catcher, even in his final season when he absolutely blew up. 13 catches. So these guys don't profile as pass catchers. Maybe they're finest blockers, but you know, you don't really need to get them out there when you have a guy as good as Homer at the things that he is asked to do. So yeah, I think this is like, uh, I get that the backfield is exciting talent wise. Like Rashad Penny is finally doing the stuff we wanted him to do. Kenneth Walker is a really good between the tackles type of runner. He's not as well-rounded as we'd like, but he's good between the tackles. I don't really care. Like uh, it's just such a bad team with such limited upside because of the way the committee's forming. Man, both of y'all are nuts. Now I'm just playing. I <laughs> you guys suck. I ain't been drafting none of them boys anyway, so we could go on a uh, carry on. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much going to say the same thing on that. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where it makes too much oh, yeah. sense for them to play a guy like Homer who does the thing that they want him to do well. And for us as, as fancy players, we're like, yeah, yeah, we get that. But can you just go away anyway? Because we would love to be able to draft these more exciting rushers. But yeah, I think you can't be drafting the more expensive one of these guys. I, I have taken some Walker cause he's fallen so much, but even I've actually cooled off a little bit on that. Cause I'm, I, I gotta get Rashad white, you know, I can't be not drafting Rashad. White. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's uh, let's talk a rookie here. Uh, Wandale Robinson getting some buzz in a couple different ways. He's getting buzz as a starter in three wide receiver sets. He's getting buzz playing out of the backfield with Saquon Barkley in the slot. That sounds maybe like a training camp narrative, but where are you at on that? (laughs) Yeah, uh, he's so cheap right now and that won't last, but he's never going to get particularly expensive. He's the third receiver on the Giants. The Giants is an offense I already wanted to target because they're going from truly abysmal coaching to the, the coaching brain trust that we saw propel Josh Allen to incredible seasons. And they did it one through Josh Allen's awesome talent. And Daniel Jones is not going to be that because Almost no player is as talented as Josh Allen. But Daniel Jones could approach league average play on an offense that is one of the five or so best schemed offenses, and it's schemed great for fantasy production. Like, as much as, like, I think Kyle Shanahan calls a great offense, like, I'm not dying to get his quarterback if he doesn't run a ton. I'm not dying to get the pocket passer because they run so much. That's not true of the Giants. At least that wasn't true of the, the Bills that we now think will be the Giants, essentially. They will be one of the highest pass rate teams in the NFL as well, one of the best pass rate over expectation teams. So if there's enough volume on the table for a third receiver to pop up every now and then, that's good. And if it's Wandale Robinson, who just has like an elite like dominator-level profile coming out of college, and we saw him do it in like so many ways, both as a running back and then transferring to Kentucky and doing it as a receiver, like his talent's great. The situation relative to his price, which is nothing, is really good. I'm going to keep drafting Wandale because you, Pat, you convinced me pretty quickly that he was just a good enough prospect that you want to take shots on a guy like him. And now I'm pretty much completely sold on that. I'm trying not to get too excited. Uh, I, I think I think what this means, because I'm, I'm, you know, we're reading about Wandale Robinson doing all this stuff. And, and Robinson has a great profile, Karen, as, as you as you pointed out. 
He accounted for 45% of Kentucky's receiving yards in his final collegiate season. It's outrageous. Seems good. That's um, so many yards. On, and he wasn't playing at an FCS school. That is an SEC school. There should be other good players on that team, and there probably were. But Wandale was just like that much better. Man. He's yeah, he's off the charts on the dog meter. And and <laughs> I, I, you know, with oh. with with him, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, um, what's his name? Kenny Gall- Kenny Galladay, if he's if he's still, you know, viable. As a player, I think the main, the takeaway might be that Daniel Jones has a lot of great weapons, and you know we I, we might be at least I might be in on Daniel Jones as a guy oh, no. who like who like takes advantage of of having all these really like pr- under you know underrated pass catchers all all around and weapons and and a coaching staff willing to use those weapons and also uh, you, you know wanting to score points which he he hasn't had in the last couple of years. So uh, I, I do I do think that the Wandell stuff makes me more bullish on Daniel Jones than it, maybe it does on Wandell Robinson himself. I, I hate to tell you this, Danny, but you did get too excited. You've touted Daniel Jones. That's uh that's how we know. Yeah, well, yeah once you said Daniel Jones, and I was like, hold on now. Oh, wait, <laughs> now, wait, now the season is underway. I'm I'm touting bad players. We are we are in full <laughs> preseason mode. They they said um they said Kadarius Tony were lining up in the backfield too you know they right. uh the both of them have uh some similarities but um you know because of a like it like if the quarterback was Josh Allen or Tom Brady or some we'd be loving like four or five players on this offense but because of who the quarterback is from what we've seen so far. Mm-mm. Not you know who know he could be he could get better he could start making better decisions. Are you also touting Daniel Jones? Hell nah. <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm just trying not to. Uh, you no, know. no, no. I think if we rewind the clip, it, it sounds <laughs> you were a bit touching like Daniel, Daniel Jones. I'll just, I'll just say that, you know if he do better, but it it like I said, if he if there was a different quarterback with these weapons. But we'd be talking about Saquon, Wondell, Robinson, Kadarius, Tony, even Kenny Galladay when he play football. Like, we'll be talking about him too, but that's not their quarterback. You, you have to give a little bit of a pass to, to Daniel Jones from the uh, uh, get Jason Garrett, Joe Judge era. That you know, Nobody was going to succeed in, in that atmosphere, in that environment. This, yeah. uh, I, think, I think it's amazing that Daniel Jones – is still like a starting quarter, like an unquestioned starting quarterback in the league after that disaster of a two year run. Are so, you telling me you surprised that the push ups in practice didn't work? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little shocked that treating treating the Giants fans was loving that. They was like, oh, he's tough, he's tough, yeah, tough to score touchdowns they did. with. And we know professional <laughs> athletes love to be treated like middle schoolers. That's that's the one thing that <laughs> we it. that we know for sure. Um, but you know, uh, Daniel Jones wasn't. You know, it was kind of fun for fantasy before the judge apocalypse in New York. You know, like he, he, he definitely could run. He could yeah, run he runs. He, he, he run. runs. Forget the tripping thing in the in open field. Yeah, forget yeah, forget all that. He runs. Uh, you know, he's he's not you know the the greatest at like reading defenses, but for fantasy, <laughs> he can be fun. Yeah. He, he ain't got no moves roast, either. This is a tout roast. Forget, the, <laughs> forget all that the horrible thing he did. Forget that he also does this other horrible thing. But you got to take him. <laughs> <laughs> you got to hand it to him. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> you got to hand off the ball. Oh well, that too. Yeah, that too. All right, uh, we got three more narratives to get to before we do that. Taking a quick break. The Fantasy Football Expo presented by NBC Sports Edge is coming to Canton, Ohio, August 12th through 14th. Join some of the talk top experts in the country, including our own Pat Darty, Denny Carter, Lawrence Jackson, Kyle Dvorak. I will also be there at the one at the only true fantasy football expo in the country. Tickets are available at the fantasyfootballexpo.com. Use promo code NBC pass at checkout to save $20. Denny, speaking of the expo. Yeah. Got to meet you in person at last year's expo, which is one of the best parts about the whole uh, enterprise. Yeah. So we actually get to hang out in person for, for once. And I learned that you dabble in CFL DFS. <laughs> so with that in mind, using uh, your CFL expertise, do you expect that you'll be putting Christian Watson in your lineup soon? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Coming to a CFL lineup near you, the Packers first round pick. That's uh that's a good one. I've, I've actually, uh, I, I relinquished my CFL thought leading crown. I know I no longer <laughs> lead thoughts in that area. I'm, 
I'm a, I'm a golf tout for now. Shifting Strictly back golf, NFL. baseball, NBA showdown, uh, you know, USFL, <laughs> just the big ones. Yes, yes. So Christian Watson, I mean, you know, this is this is this is terrible. This is a terrible start for this for for this kid. You feel we should say he had knee surgery, um, and so now he's going to miss an extensive period of of training camp on the pup list. So that is that is the that is why I'm pretending he's going to be in the CFL soon. Right, right, and and, uh, we we have not heard any reports to that effect. I just want to be clear. Uh, Crane spreading misinformation once again, you know, uh, but but. Watson, you know, I mean, first of all, rookies, Packers, rookie receivers have always, always had a tough time, uh, you know, gaining Aaron Rodgers' favor, including guys like James Jones, uh, Devontae Adams, uh, Jordy Nelson. I mean, you know, the list of, uh, let me check here, legendary Green Bay receivers includes guys Aaron Rodgers completely iced out as a rookie. So uh, I, I, I feel like the Watson, the start to Watson's camp is uh, pretty much a nightmare for him and anyone who w- believes that you know he could emerge as the wide receiver one in that offense. Aaron Rodgers don't even know who he is yet, right? You know, you know he got to bring <laughs> stripes. He don't know that. Man yet. He didn't so, know Devontae Adams till year three. Does this That's mean right. like I have to start taking Alan Zark? I, I I'm close to zero Alan Lazard teams. I have a few falls below ADP, and I, I get the argument that he's Aaron Rodgers' top uh, receiver, and that is becoming more apparent by the day without Christian Watson. But, like, do I really have to? Because he is poor in yards per route run, has never had a meaningful target share, and it's not like there have not been opportunities. Devontae Adams takes a lot of targets. He doesn't take 90% of the offense. His team was dying for a number two, and it had to be like one-trick pony, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and basically just the running backs at some point. They just had to give up on their wide receiver to being a consistent contributor, and when they did contribute, it was MBS. It wasn't even Alan Lazard as much. So I really don't want to be drafting Alan Lazard, especially because I uh, some few weeks ago argued with Denny about me not wanting to take Alan Zard. And as the days creep on, I regret to inform the audience that Denny is looking more right. I, yeah. I'm going to get close to the mic here. <laughs> it doesn't matter that Alan Lazard is bad. Mm, it grinds it my gears. You saying that. Yeah, no, I mean, I know, <laughs> I mean, I know. why doesn't it matter? Why? Cause Aaron Rodgers just caught him a hall of famer. That's, that's right. right. Aaron, if, if Aaron Rodgers is in, I'm in, that's it. Like that's it's all it's all it is to it. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter that that his his peripherals everything is they're disgusting. It doesn't matter that he basically was like a backup tight end for for <laughs> some of his time in, in Green Bay. Yeah. None of it matters. He's the wide receiver one. Keep going. Aaron Rodgers' eyes. It doesn't matter that then you roast the guy and then you tout him. It's like my new favorite. I've never, <laughs> Uh, I've never seen right. a better way of, of promoting players that should be drafted. <laughs> it doesn't matter that he's a backup tight end. <laughs> yeah. He's well. going pretty high. He's in the seventh round of uh, of underdog best ball drafts. Going ahead of Michael Thomas, who, you know, is now, uh, oh, wow. we don't have this as a narrative, but he's out there practicing. Uh, he's going ahead of Christian Kirk. He's going ahead of Kadarius Toney. I, like you're, you're paying for him like he's the number one wide receiver with some uncertainty around that. Like it does seem pretty priced in. So uh, it's not like there's a discount to that, like that you're going to need that to come through it. Lawrence, are you, are you comfortable with that? Uh, no, nah, not with the other guys in that range, but it, but then it's like, how, how, like, how do you deny a receiver that Aaron Rodgers throwing to? Like that's, that's, that's extremely hard to do. Like people will say, you know, Oh, well he ain't got Devonte Adams no more. Well, people said, Oh, he ain't got Jordy Nelson no more. Then before that, I don't. Maybe he didn't play with Donald Driver. Oh, it was Greg Jennings. That was who was before. He turned so. James Jones into something. I mean, James is- Jones led the league in receiving touchdowns one year, twenty fourteen, yeah. I believe, Oof. with fourteen. So it's like, man, oh man that yeah, is- he might be better than James Jones. You know, <laughs> Danny, uh, do you think you think he's coach. the worst of, of all of us? Do you think he's better than James Jones, Alan Lazard? Me. I- yeah yeah uh, uh, terrible he's terrible and and it, it's great <laughs> i mean Jane, oh, i'm sorry not jane jones alan lazar he's had some days here and there with you know he he show up some days out there uh, he's had some days is our argument days out there. given that, that we are 
all so pessimistic on the the relative level of talent of Alan Zard. I'm not saying he is bad. I'm saying he's probably best fit as a team's wide receiver three, which is what we've seen from him. But given that uh, there's a lot of, I would given our assessment of his talent, there should be a lot of uncertainty. Uh, is anyone doing like the Romeo Dobbs thing? Already started off with some highlight plays in training camp. Yeah. Randall yeah. Cobb. We're talking about guys Aaron Rodgers likes. Boy, he likes Randall Cobb. So to me, I am taking. I'm now. I'm going to start taking more Dobbs. I wasn't getting as much of him as I probably should have been. Uh, or, or Sammy Watkins too. Sammy Watkins uh, opened up. I think it was technically the NFI list. I don't, I don't remember. If it was NFI. <laughs> yeah, we can't just disrespect. Sammy Watkins guys. is too bad. Sammy Watkins. <laughs> Where's the line? Alamo's <laughs> art is so bad. It's good. Look, he's bad, and I've never heard Aaron Rodgers say his name. So oh, okay, that, that's why that, that that that's the key. No, no, no. But, but there's something to there's something to what Kyle's saying. Yes, Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb. He's a boring boomer pick. I get it. Like you know, you get you get your social security card if you pick Randall Cobb and redraft. But it could it could be it could be okay. Like PPR wise, it could be okay. Dobbs is interesting. He's very. I think he's very interesting as a guy who who could emerge now. If Aaron Rodgers continues with the Lazard stuff, I don't know. But uh, Dobbs does interest me as like a late round dart throw. I'm into the Cobb thing. Like I'm not drafting him a ton, but you could talk. You can definitely talk me into it because he's not probably even getting drafted in a bunch of these leagues. Uh, ADP of wide receiver 94. Like that's a dart. That's if I'm betting on uh, Aaron Rodgers likes this bad wide receiver. That price at least is more appealing. You know how many one yard touchdowns he gonna catch this right. year? Back like he did back in the day, right? And and Cobb was just coming into his own in that in in the offense in that return to the offense when he got when he suffered a core injury against the Rams. He was uh, I don't want to say dominating, but he was doing quite well uh, for that game and the game previous. And uh, I I could you know I could see it happening. And and uh, as an older millennial, I, I I love it. Yeah, get the early social security. It's a it's a win win. <laughs> All right, let's move to uh, let's move to another player that I think at least most of us are going to feel a little gross about drafting, uh, but maybe not all of us. Mike McCarthy described Ezekiel Elliott as a keystone player. Lawrence, are you buying this? Is he the the key to the Dallas season? Let me tell y'all something right now. <laughs> Saddle up, folks. Keystone. Well, he's been that. I, I don't know if that's what you call it going forward however however he's not he ain't going nowhere that man is not going nowhere uh (laughs) we could talk about it from a football perspective uh from a fantasy football perspective he's going to give you at least what he gave you last season which was on a points per game basis hovering around running back 14 15 and why 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 wouldn't we want that the main thing we complain about for running backs, right? They always hurt. All of them always hurt. In six seasons, this man has missed three games due to injury. Three at the running back position. He was hurt last season. He a little hurt. That's cool. We'll play. We'll fall into the end zone like that. Now you got Tony Pollard, right? Much more efficient, more explosive than Ezekiel Elliott. Two different types of backs. Now, uh, I think Kyle mentioned it earlier. He getting some love in that slot. He getting some receiver love. He was actually a receiver in college uh, for multiple years, strictly played the wide receiver position. Um, and as we know, they lost the wide receiver in Amari Cooper. Uh, they haven't got one back yet in Michael Gallup. They may be dependent on a rookie receiver in Jalen Tobert. So, they're looking for somebody to help fill that void, and that could be Tony Pollard. Um, so if you have these two on the field at the same time, that means Zeke is still on that field. He's still getting them carries, and he's definitely still getting that goal line work, which pretty much that's his – at this point, that's his biggest value. Oh, but not, not that, that's not all of it. He had 47 catches last year. 52 the year before so in the fourth round right i'm not saying pick him in the we know he's not the first round back he used to be he ain't the second round back that he was drafted as the past couple years but now in the fourth round if i know i could get running back 15 production which he's given us on two bad years right even if he keeps that as a low end rb2 it's still a solid pick 
in the fourth round. I don't hate him relative to the running backs he goes near. So that's what I will say um, to support this argument is that he goes over Brees Hall. I'm not sure what kind of pass catching role we'll see from Brees Hall. I know that offense can't, even if it gets better, is probably not going to be great. Cam Akers, I, I think the offense is, is probably better, but Akers was like, somehow probably less efficient than Zeke last year when Cam Akers came back. Uh, you know, then David Montgomery and some other guys, I, you know, take Zeke over them. The problem to me is not his ranking within the running backs, though. It's the receivers that go after him. I would just, I would windmill dunk these picks before I would take Ezekiel Elliott. Deontay Johnson, a target manufacturing hawk. Gabriel Davis, the number two for Josh Allen, who was incredibly explosive at the end of last year. You may have heard he had like 200 yards and four touchdowns. I, I may be the only one reporting this. But it's also a lot. So no one and, and the list goes on. Al Robinson, that's the next one. Jerry Judy, I would take all of these receivers over him because I don't see a scenario in which Zeke gives you a season that you have to have to win. I think he's a fine, like median value type of pick, yeah. but like that's not what I'm going for. Give me these upside receivers. That makes sense. You know, I was about I was about to do that thing where I hedge and I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, you know, I could take him in the fourth. Sure, sure. How but. do you get your voice that squeaky? That is a talent that I would oh, love man. to master. Hey, I, I, I can actually do Pikachu uh, now that I've watched uh, watched it with uh, my kids. I've watched Pokemon with my kids, and uh, I, I will not do Pikachu on the on the podcast. I have some self respect, some, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think you know uh, Zeke in the fourth is 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 fine ish. But I'm like, I'm not like excited to do it. Mostly, I'm just depressed about Tony Pollard. He's never going to be free, guys. He's it's it's doom doom and gloom for Tony Pollard. And and uh, you can take him and you can cite all the stats you want, like I do. But uh, Cowboys Cowboys don't see it, and uh, that that's a problem. <laughs> I think the way to hedge with Zeke is mix him in in best ball because if you do get the type of season. Lawrence is talking about, you know, like a slightly better version of what we've seen in the last couple of years. Maybe to, Pollard's involved enough to make it like a sub elite season. Um, that's pretty valuable in the fourth round in best ball. Like that'll really help you out. And it might even help you out, you know, in the the, the playoff weeks, you know, um, mm-hmm. not just kind of in the regular season. So I think getting him there makes sense. And I, I want to be an Tony Pollard, Denny, and I, I'm drafting him some, but like he's so expensive. You know, uh, going know. in like the seventh round of high stakes drafts right now, uh, it's not like you're getting any kind of discount. I think the narrative around him playing out of the slot isn't helping if you want to draft Tony Pollard because it's probably not real and it's not helping his price go down. We want talk Zeke up, talk Zeke up. I'll mix him into the fourth round and then please let's get the drum beat going for Zeke. Get him into the second round here <laughs> so we can get some cheap Tony Pollard. I mean, mostly let's get, yeah, let's get Pollard into the 10th round for the love of God, please. Yeah. That's that's where we need him. All right. So last one here today, uh, Saints head coach Dennis Allen. Of course, we got to close with this as you should close your your drafts. Dennis Allen said that Taysom Hill is, quote, going to provide multiple roles for us quarterback and still take some snaps from the quarterback position quarterback. Is he a fantasy football cheat code as a quarterback with tight end eligibility? Kyle. I mean, yeah, I, I've been pretty Taysom pilled. And I think the, the thing that pushes it over the edge in formats, I know underdog is this way, but there are also some other fantasy sites like uh, like Scott Fishbowl. I have Taysom Hill as a tight end in the back end of my roster. And it does help that that is also a tournament style structure. It's not nearly the same as like the underdog progression towards the playoffs, but it is, uh, you know, having a more than just can beat your 12 or 11, you know, league mates type of team does matter in that format still. And anywhere where he is, uh, where he is tight end eligible, I, I think I'll be at least interested in him. I mean, if I have, you know, if I have a really good tight end room or something, or I just don't want to spend the roster position, I know no one else is going to draft him anyways. I can just try and pick him up earlier than my opponents. Sure. Maybe I'm not taking him there. There are certainly reasons not to take him, but like we know he's giving you QB one value if he gets starts at quarterback. And there's definitely an outside chance that he is giving you like not great tight end two production, but like a lot of dudes give you not great tight end two production that are going to be drafted anyways, but he could go out there and have like a rushing touchdown and six receiving touchdowns in a season. If they plan to use him as a, like the true hybrid, which they did three years ago now, 2019, that's exactly what he had six receiving and one rushing, I believe is what he got to while never playing, never starting at quarterback. Right. So if he somehow turns in a really good efficiency season as a tight end, you could get usable weeks from him. They won't be great, but they will be usable. And then the tail outcome is that 
he breaks fantasy football. If you can start a quarterback one at your tight end, or if you have a super good tight end and you play him at flex, you're the only team that can play super flex while everyone else has to play standard, you know, non super flex. So in large, you know, large fields, I will probably just be taking him when I can. And in just your standard home league, if you play on a site that allows you to take him as a tight end, he's like, I will be refreshing saints news constantly just on the off chance that, you know, if you don't have him, you lose. Like that's what happens if you don't have Taysom Hill and he starts at quarterback. Yeah, he ain't ever starting that quarterback again. <laughs> but they but think about all the game enough. theory I just talked about. They have seen it. Pete Carmichael has seen enough. Now, but the quarterback snaps, definitely. I mean, they got Andy Dalton right now as the backup, so they wanted to make sure that they got that backup quarterback position right. solidified. Now, the thing about him at tight end, uh, I, like you say, Kyle, and, and I'll say this, if he's somewhere around that eight-ish touches range, um, that's a little interesting. Well, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a little interesting because how many tight ends are getting eight <laughs> targets or eight <laughs> catches? There ain't a lot of them. No. So if he's if they're gonna, you know, steal touchdowns away from Kamara or whoever back there, if they're gonna still keep doing that, then that's a little interesting. It could be volatile too at the same time, but if you know he's a designated tight end, it makes it better. See, some back in the day, sometimes he used to be a quarterback, so nobody ever messed with him in fantasy. But if he going to catch a pass here and there, um, come in for like a short yardage touchdown, it, it'll probably – it could be good and bad, but it'll mostly just dry you crazy because it'll be some good days. And then it'll be some days where – you know, uh, Taysom just ain't – he just playing punt team today, and, and then you won't get anything. You don't get no points for being the punt team guy. So, you know, yeah. You're it, playing it, in the wrong leagues, Lawrence. You got you to gotta play <laughs> point for a um, be the uh Be the gunner. But, right. uh, b- <laughs> but, like, uh, but like Kyle say, it, it could be – it could be here or it could be here. It's really crazy, but mostly it'll probably just dry your nuts. I mean, where, where he's going in drafts for me, it's like, why not? You know, I mean, like, what, what am I going to do? Take a tight end who like might run some routes if they, if their team runs into a bunch of injuries and get lucky with a touchdown once in a while where I might, I might be able to get this, you know, this guy in T- Taysom Hill who could get goal line touches or, or touches inside the 10, which is extremely valuable. Uh, I, I, for a long time, I was uh, sort of, uh, down about the radicalization of the youth in fantasy football being Taysom pilled. Um, but uh, I too have been Taysom pilled. So I, I can, can no longer speak and for best ball. The trend like, is sweeping the nation. It is, it is. And, and it, it is, it, it, and, and for anybody who's going to complain about what Kyle was talking about, about, well, you can't, you shouldn't be able to plug a quarterback into tight end. It's part of our game. Like this is part of the game. It's a, it's a fun game about another game. And we, and, and that's okay. And, you know, we should be, we, that's, we should have fun with that. Go with that. And so, so if you can get a guy like Taysom Hill late in the draft, you do it. Keyword fantasy. Yes. Yes. We're not, we're not actual NFL general managers. I don't know if if the folks realize that. It's a bummer, but it's true. Taysom Hill today, I got in the 17th round of a best ball draft. And I agree with you, Lawrence, that it's going to drive you nuts if you got to predict the weeks. Nice about best balls, you don't got to. So, you know, and if one of those weeks is is one of the playoff weeks, oh man. And like, Okay, I could have gotten him in the 18th round. I wasn't. I wasn't actually fully Taysom Pill though. I was only. I was Taysom curious. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. I just mixed him in a little. So now, okay, I'm like, all right. I didn't. I didn't have much 18th round Taysom, but I can get 17th round Taysom after some bullish reports. That seems great. So I feel like, you know, he'll probably move up pretty quickly. But if you're drafting in the next few days in these best ball drafts, I definitely would try to mix him in if you were like me and only have a few shares from earlier. Are you, do you have a big old bag, Kyle? I don't draft uh, a ton on underdog, so I don't have uh, a big dollar-wise bag. But on my underdog teams, I do have. I'm well over the field on Taste Mill. So it's not a draft, though. So, like, if he, you know, if somehow this, you know, this punt gunner doesn't score a bunch of fantasy points, I'll survive. You guys can rest assured I'll be back on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. All right. What, else, what do we got going on in the site, guys, here as we, as we wrap it up? I have uh, – I took no pleasure in writing it, but I did anyway. If I were – to draft a robust RB team, meaning I, I use the first two, three picks on a running back. 
this is how I would do it. Sort of article. These are the wide receivers I would target in the middle rounds. And then in the, in the later rounds, I talked about a lot of, a lot of the receivers we, we discussed on the pod today. So check it out. It's on NBCSportsEdge.com. Denny, what if I told you you could take wide receivers early and then just take those wide receivers you liked anyways? You could do <laughs> that. So well, I, I would tell you about the strategy around that. I would tell you I love the receivers. I don't know about the running back. <laughs> yeah, I have one training camp battle for every team, uh, you know, things to watch for. And we've already gotten some of that type of news in the first few days of camp. And it's some players we talked about here. So go ahead and read that. And uh, I did a best ball, not even a mock draft, did a real best ball draft with a few of us NBC edgers. And we should have read your article about going robust RB because like two or three of us did it. I think we draft really bad teams. Like I think these are like very minus EV teams, but I get to negatively review Was that myself. the draft with, with Ray and Pat as well? Correct. Yes, that's the one. I believe um, Overzet jumped in there and yeah. uh, took all the wide receivers. He did. Uh, and his team is good. It's one of the teams I reviewed as doing well. And I reviewed uh, Zach Kruger's team of NBC Sports Edge as doing well. Because, again, it took a lot of wide receivers and didn't fall into these dumb middle round value trap running backs. So that is through our draft guide, which you should have. It will help you win your fantasy league or at least do marginally better because it's still a very random sport. I can't guarantee it, but I'd like to think it helps. So you can read that as well. Yes, sir. Definitely uh, get the draft guide, uh, which all these fine gentlemen uh, provided hard work for. Uh, going into August, I have uh, ADP movers uh, stock rising and falling. So, uh, you know, be on the lookout for that. And uh, just me acting a fool on these little silly videos that NBC let me do. I would recommend uh, you obviously listen to a good football show, but make sure to look for the Monday podcast. We're going to have the AFC West preview, which is obviously going to be exciting given how exciting that division is. I'm working on a best ball article, which will probably be out uh, next week. I'm hoping to get the first part out. might be the week after, but be on the lookout for that. And uh, also there's a video coming out on our new NFL on NBC YouTube channel. I got a chance to compare my top five at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver with Chris Sims' real-life reality top five and get some of his thoughts on kind of the fantasy versus reality aspects there. So that should be out in the next day or so. Look for that, and uh, we'll be back soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you later.